talk about building youth ministry teams and delegation today, which probably just a fancy way of uh, saying just kind of doing our job as youth pastors and uh, as, as student pastors. And, and so we're going to talk about that. But today uh, might feel a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, because what, what I'm going to teach is something our team's been working on for, for a while now, and it's literally like our pastor teaches it. It's like a three-hour session. So I've got like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk fast and give it, give it to you fast, um, but at the same time give you the opportunity to just connect with us um, afterwards and, and resource you as best as we can. Uh, obviously, we've not figured everything out. We're kind of in the trenches making stupid mistakes all the time. Uh, and trying to kind of figure out how that looks and what that works and how it works. And so, um, you know, we're just going to kind of, pre- I'm going to present to you today kind of some things that we've uh, kind of looked through. Some topics that I kind of plan to cover today is the fact that um, we tried to use the smart board and it just won't work. It's it's not as smart as us. <laughs> so I, I don't have necessarily slides uh, today, but um, some things I plan to cover is the leadership, uh, what we call the leadership pipeline. We're going to go through that a little bit. Some stuff about leadership development. Uh, I'm going to use the phrase high capacity leaders today, and so that might uh, help you uh, as well as a, a strategy that we've put in place with our, our new student pastor called the Young Gun Strategy. We're actually going to give that to you today and, um, and, and kind of show you what it looks like. And then uh, and the, the fifth thing is just kind of the ending would be be prepared to evolve. I think youth ministry is just something you, you just learn to evolve as, as you do it. So those are some things we're going to cover today. Um, uh, so b- before I kind of begin, I want to give you an opportunity, um, maybe two or three of you, to ask any questions that you think you, you want, I want. I want this to be covered today. If I could leave this session and, man, I could have this question answered, uh, what would that be? And, and I'm going to do my very best to try to make that happen. If you don't, you're just like, man, just go. I'll just go. But if anybody has anything that you're just like, man, I really need to know how to do this, um, I'll call Andy. We're on the phone and we'll figure it out. Um, but does anybody have anything that they're like, man, I just I want to leave with this, or you just want me to just go? Yeah. I do. Um, maybe ours is a unique situation. So um, I'm really interested in the delegation part. I'm a lead pastor, and our youth pastor team just moved. And so we have this great youth group. They love Jesus. They want to bring their friends, but we need we need help. We don't have an immediate replacement. And okay. not that I don't I don't know that that's what our answer is, but sure. getting building up a ministry team. We have adults that love these students like okay. crazy, and um, and how do I delegate that out better? How to a uh, paid staff or volunteer? These or just are all volunteers. Whatever it would look yeah. like. Okay. Yeah. Great. I think we'll cover that a little bit today. Um, if not, let's connect afterwards, and I'll kind of give you a little bit of advice. Or I'll connect you with our youth pastor, and they can help you um, a little bit more in depth as well. Okay. Any other things that you're just like, I want Andy Stanley's phone number? <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, roll here. One of the greatest values of today is relationships. So I'm going to encourage you, before you leave this room today or before you leave the event, man, get phone numbers of other youth pastors. Here's the reality. We're in the trenches together. And when I was a youth pastor, I could not survive without other youth pastors. You need to be able to text each other, call each other. I'm, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. I still send text messages to some youth pastor friends on Wednesday night and say, hey, I'm praying for you tonight. You know, I know that kid's going to walk in and decide that he wants to completely disrupt everything in your student ministry. I'm praying for you. So relationships are valuable. So make sure that you meet people tonight and, and as well as, you know, stay connected with us. And then um, we also, I'm my email and everything's up there as well to stay connected. So I started in youth ministry about 20 years ago. And you're like, man, this is old. No, I'm 32 years old. Um, but I started kind of being involved in student ministry when I was 12. My dad was a Methodist pastor. So I was involved in the United Methodist Church 
uh, youth program for about uh, eight years. And I did a ton of stuff with that, from conferences to being involved in, in youth ministry in a variety of ways. And so from the ages of 12 to 18, I was a part of a lot of those things. Um, my youth group was huge. It was me and my brother. <laughs> Very effective youth ministry. Uh, but we were a part of a, of a conference, uh, a district uh, that had uh, about two to 3,000 teenagers that would come and be part of the events that we put on. So I had an experience of kind of a big scale. When I was, uh, when I was at one of those events, I was called into youth ministry, as many of you probably were either called into youth ministry or being in ministry. And it wasn't one of those things where an angel floated down and my whole life changed forever. It was just like, man, I really think it'd be cool to be a youth pastor. Like, skinny jeans weren't around then. So it wasn't like, I that skinny jeans. I think I might be able to wear skinny jeans someday. I wore my skinny jeans for you guys today just to show you that I'm a legit youth guy because that's all that's required. Uh, so I, I started uh, really pursuing youth ministry. I went to college uh, at Bowling Wallace and pursued a religious studies degree, which basically meant that um, I went to class from 8 till 10 and then, you know, that was pretty much my day. I really didn't do a whole lot else with that degree. But I, as a junior, I got hired as a youth pastor at a small church in Lorain, Ohio. Um, eight kids in the youth ministry, 42 people in the whole church, and huge budget. I had $600 for the whole year. It was, it was amazing. I could do high ministry with 600 bucks. How many of you are like, my budget's that? 600 bucks. Uh, less than that. You kill for 600 bucks. So I had $600, and my, all, the only mandate was don't get less than eight. Great vision. It was really it was a, a very high vision of an opportunity. So I started serving in youth ministry there. I was there for about eight months. And on the eighth month, a student in my student ministry called me on the phone. I was 20 years old. I'd never had any formal youth ministry training. I pick up my phone and he says, I'm standing on a bridge. I want to kill myself. Okay. Um, wow. I, yeah. I, I'm coming. Literally just got in my car. And as I'm driving to, to him, I'm on the phone with him, texting my pastor at the same time while driving. It was, we're multifaceted as youth pastors. We can do those things. <laughs> And um, ended up, my, my senior pastor at the time just was like, hey, you're the youth pastor, figure it out. <laughs> Which is a very eye-opening moment for me. And, and so um, shortly thereafter, uh, by the way, the, the young man uh, did not kill himself, thank God. Um, I still know him today. He's a, he's a great young man. But uh, that was a revealing moment for me. I was just like, man, this isn't what I pictured as youth ministry. Like, it was tough to build a team. Now, our youth ministry at that team grew from 8 to 27 in six months, and then 27 to 84 in the next six months, and our youth ministry was bigger than our church. Now, if you've ever been in that scenario before, it's not a very great Tuesday morning staff meeting. Um, and, and it was for no other reason than Jesus just really showed up, and there was a great revival. One of the stories I'll tell you quickly is we were, our church was planted between two gang territories in Lorraine. So in order for some of our students to come to youth group, they had to come in bring their knives to protect themselves and we had a bucket it was a knife bucket no joke and they put their knives in the bucket and I took them and then when they left I gave them back it was the only way I could get them to come to church and so it was a really interesting season for me so I left that church was out of ministry for a little while graduated from college and, uh, and then was just like man, I had this burning passion inside me I just want to be in student ministry again 
So I took a, a job um, uh, at a, a church just on the street from uh, uh, in, near Crocker Park in Westlake, Ohio. I was there for, for a while. And um, I mean, after serving in corporate America, I was so excited. And so I had moved from this like first ministry opportunity where I was just like, man, all I want to do is be a youth guy. So the second one where I went to a conference, and I saw a gentleman named Carl Lentz. Speaking of I know Carl Lentz, he's uh, the senior pastor at Hillsong, New York. Um, and and he, I started working with him. He was mentoring me for a season as a youth pastor. And I just wanted to be Carl. Like, I just, if I could just be Carl, I would be like the best youth pastor ever. And I was so, so excited about that. And I was involved in that youth ministry for four years, but really was focused there on just, I wanted to be like him. And I kind of, I think I missed the mark a little bit. So I left there and was out of ministry again for about a year. And then I came on staff at our church here, Journey Church, and was on staff with, as our lead pastor's personal assistant for a while and did some other stuff for a season. And then uh, I got the call to be uh, our youth guy there. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But when I was uh, stepping into this role, uh, the role as a youth pastor at, this, at the church we're at currently right now, I came upon this verse in Matthew 4, 20 through 22. I'm going to read it from the message version today because that's what youth pastors do. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, re- I heard this verse at a conference. I'm going to read it to you and I want to walk you through it. And I think it will help you today kind of encapsulate what it means from a youth pastor perspective. And I want to show you the transition here from, in my story, and it might be your story, as well. It says this, walking along the beach of Lake Alley, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter and Andrew. I think my name's in there, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, maybe Jesus was talking about me. Then they were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me and I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. A short distance down the beach, they came upon another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their fish nets. Jesus made the same offer to them, and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning boat and father. So as I read through that, I go, okay, um, walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and they were fishing and throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. It was their regular work. And so in my first kind of two years of youth ministry, I literally was just like, I want to be a cool youth pastor. And then it transitioned to be, I want to be like Carl. And I it just kind of felt like I was just doing work. I was just kind of going through the motions. It was tough for me to build teams. It was tough for me to do things, to be effective. Um, and I think it was because I was just doing what every other youth pastor told me to do or duplicating. We're good at duplicating other things, right? That youth group's doing that. I'm going to just take that. I'm going to do that. We're really good at that. And I'm just going, kind of going through the motions of doing work. Uh, but this next verse is really key. So Jesus said to him, come with me and I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. My favorite part of this verse is the next one. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. When I joined the journey staff, I was kind of immersed in this culture of just like, man, our focus here is building leaders, discipling people, and expanding to go into all the, all the nations and all the world to help change world. So I was like, okay, this is a little bit different than the things I've been involved with. Because if in, at journey, if I go, man, I want to be like Carl Lance, they're going to be like, man. <laughs> The reality of it, Carl's doing an amazing thing, and there are pastors all over the country that are doing great things. But the reality is that God has called you where you're at right now for a purpose and a plan to minister to what you're doing. He's picked you because you're the best person for that job. And so I look at that and I go, fishers of men and women, I go, man, maybe, what if I just dropped all the questions and just went, man, I'm I'm just going to drop my nets, I'm just going to follow Jesus. That's kind of a cliche in the church, right? If we just follow Jesus, we're going to be okay. But doesn't that just require more work? 
right? It's just more work involved in that. So I, I started really taking that verse, and it really kind of motivated me, and I came to Journey Church. I was a, a part of it. I, I want to give you a little bit about Journey so you just kind of encapsulate who we are. On Easter this year, we'll turn six years old. We have three campuses. We run about 1,500 people over our three campuses on a weekend. About a third of our church are first-time believers, a third are de-churched, a third are transfer growth just from other uh, situations. And in our experience, we have found that senior leaders often come frequently complain about two things. Okay, they complain about two things. Why their church or student ministry is not growing. We've all had that question, right? We've all been in that meeting we're like, man, why is our student ministry growing? What if we did this? The second one is this. Why do we have a lack of leaders? We need more people. Right? It's just the question you have. We just need more people. We need more people, or we need to figure out how this person's going to do what they're going to do. And so, part of what we're going to talk about today is, is answering those two questions. And what we have found, uh, we have found that if there is a shortage of leaders at various levels, if the same old people are doing the same old jobs year after year, right? If growth is hampered because of a shortage of leadership, then there, there is a, this is a clear indication that there is a problem with your leadership pipeline, it may or might not even exist or be clogged. So I'm going to use that, that term leadership pipeline today. I'm going to show it to you in the framework of how Journey's doing it um, and steal it, take it, whatever you, know, you want to do for your student ministry. Um, but if, if you're doing the same old thing that you've always done, your same old leader's doing the same old thing all the time, it might be an indication that it's just not working the way it should be or that it's stuck somewhere. Here are a few signs that your leadership pipeline might be dry or, or might be clogged. Here's the first one. The same old people doing the same old things, right? The same person on the transitions every week. The same person doing the MC every single week. The same person's taking the parking signs and they, they forget to bring that in the building, right? The same person's, you know, not cleaning the bathroom or not doing what they're supposed to do. It's the same old thing over and over. Here's the second one. Desperation tactics to recruit new leaders, right? De- we're just desperate. We see new leaders. If you breathe, you're a leader now, right? Here, I bought you these skinny jeans. You are now a youth leader, <laughs> Right, we used, we used to get desperate to recruit new leaders. Uh, here's a third one: a leader moves out of his position, and the ministry declines or dies. So, if you've got a youth pastor in play, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, you got a youth pastor in play, but but they move on to a different opportunity, they shift to a different role at the church, or they just jump ship, and your youth ministry declines or dies. It could be because a proper leadership pipeline wasn't in place. And some of you were there, and some of you were at the beginning. We were like, I don't even have a leadership pipeline. I have four kids or 20 kids, and I just need to know. Okay, we're going to talk about that, too. Here's the fourth one. Leaders are doing all the work themselves, not intentionally developing others. Fourth, or fifth, recruiting for today's need, not for tomorrow's growth. So sometimes we make the mistake of, man, we just got to get through this Wednesday or this Sunday or whatever night it is you do youth ministry and not taking some time to, to plan for the future growth that, that could happen. The leader, uh, the leader is not making training a priority. And the last one, growth is limited because there are not enough leaders to support it. Growth is a byproduct of health. So many times we look for gimmicks or the next greatest thing, or how can we use Instagram to do this, or Snapchat's back and it's no longer this type of a tool to market this type of a thing. Like, you guys know what I'm talking I'm recording right now, so I can't, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but now it's used for this, and now we can actually use it for ministry. So we go like, I don't even know what Snapchat is. Cool, we'll talk after. We'll help you kind of develop that if you, if you choose to do that. Uh, we look for gimmicks, which may help you have a big church or a big student ministry, but not a healthy one. It's not about creating big student ministries. It's about creating a healthy student ministry. And a leadership pipeline can help you to do that. So what we're going to talk about today is growing leaders to grow your church and your youth ministry. This will grow a healthy church and a healthy youth ministry. 
So let me give you a little history. We do not have all the answers at Journey. We were six years old, and we averaged, you know, fortunate people on the weekend with servant leaders. But our, and our student ministry have gone, has gone through three phases of development from inception, years one through three was kind of our inception period. Uh, processes and leadership development was years four and five. And then in this year right now, we're working on student development and discipleship of multi-site duplication. That's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and there's some other things that are involved in that that I may not even be... You know, privy to because our, our youth pastor is actually in the room right now, and um, so he may come up and answer some questions here at the end um, as, as we're developing. But I, I will tell you, in every area of our church and our student ministry, one of the greatest ways we have grown is in just simply growing leaders. It's a focus of our church to grow leaders. So we'll talk about a couple keys today to, to kind of help you. The first key is this: growing leaders does not happen by happenstance. Growing leaders does not happen by happenstance. Okay. Do you think you're a stronger Christian now than you were five years ago just by happenstance? No. You did intentional things. You, you, you called Andy Stanley. You read your Bible. Uh, you went to church. You prayed. Discipleship. Fasting. Maybe you did fasting. Maybe you did the opposite of fasting. You just ate more food. I think there's something spiritual in there somewhere. It didn't happen by happenstance. See, God, he was working and he was kind of tricking you forward. He, he was tricking you forward to grow you and to prepare you. So today, uh, I, I have some questions for you that will help you shape a pipeline for your student ministry. And I want to simply share what you do. And I want you to kind of chew in the meat and spit out the bones and kind of shape it around your culture and where you're at in your youth ministry. And these questions will kind of help you develop your pipeline in your culture. Here's question one. What is your strategy for developing leaders? What is your strategy for developing leaders? Now, one of the keys to this is going to be this question has to have an answer that's um, exact or a a, uh, a duplication of your churches. So you can't have silo ministry. So you can't be like, well, in student ministry, this is our strategy for developing leaders. But in our adult ministry, this is our strategy. It won't work. It will fail at the end of the day. So it it needs to be a, uh, a track that is conducive for every single area of your church that has vision. And, and lays out. I'm going to talk about that in, in a minute. So what is your strategy for developing leaders? If there's no intentional strategy for development of leaders, then your people won't know what steps to take and therefore will fall short in their leadership development efforts and hinder your growth. And here's what we do, right? As youth pastors, they're not qualified. When sometimes it's just simply because we didn't put forth clear steps of development for them. to go, You're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this. And I'm going to hold your hand through the whole thing until you get here, and then I'm going to release you in the ministry, right? But we, because we don't have a clear-cut plan of how we do that, sometimes that's why it fails. Here, here's a, another thought. Lack of intentional strategy for development is the senior leadership's fault, not the follower's fault. So if you don't develop a leadership plan and a structure, it's not that volunteer's fault that works a full-time job 50 hours a week and comes and serves in your student ministry. It's your fault that you didn't... That's going to be a little harsh. Let me say it another way. It's your fault that you didn't develop a leadership pipeline that prepared that person to be successful. Right? It's your fault. Here's where we're going to help you do that. We're going to try to help you do that. 
Um, so make sure you're intentional with that. And a third thought there is now, you don't have to have an answer for tomorrow or even next month for this, but begin the process of deciding on a strategy that will work for your organization. So as youth pastors, you're going to have to go back to your leadership team, your if it's your lead pastor, your directional leadership team, however you frame that, you're going to say, what's our strategy for developing leaders? And then work within that framework to be intentional about how that plays out in your student ministry. How many of you currently have a leadership structure that's different, or the leadership structure that's different from your church's leadership strategy? Does anybody have something that's different? Does anybody have a leadership strategy? <laughs> Who has a leadership strategy and you would say, man, my, my senior leadership's doing this and we're duplicating that? Would you say that? Okay, great. So some of you that are doing that, that's really good. So make sure that you have a strategy for developing leaders. Here's a warning. One of the bad habits organizations develop is allowing each department to do leadership development their own way. So don't do it on your own. Silo ministries will never work. And what happens is you end up with this hodgepodge of methods, hodgepodge of methods strung out across your organization with no alignment, no best practices that, that will make the uh, organization stronger. So make sure that you line that up very well. So get your team together, talk about what's working, talk about what's not working, and then make every effort to align your organization's strategy for developing leaders. You'll be doing yourself and your leaders a huge favor, and it will see uh, you'll see big dividends in that payoff as your year goes forward, excuse me, as you look at maybe replacing yourself as a youth pastor, as you maybe start beginning to, to develop or think about doing multi-site youth ministry. Because once you get, how many of you are multi-site? Totally cool. How many of you think that at one point in time in the future, your church will be a multi-site location? Okay. Warning for you. If you Not warning. Suggestion. If you can get this campus, your main campus, and the leadership structure down, and you know the strategy, when you go to do site number two, it's so much easier. Because you've already done it. Now, if you just go, well, this culture and this church has this development, and this culture and this church and this campus has this development, it will, it will fail because you as a senior leader can't multiply yourself as effectively. Okay, so keep that in mind as your development. So Journey Church, I'm going to give you a broad spec, snapshot of our leadership structure. And when I'm done, I, I will have plenty of time for questions at the end. And, and, uh, and maybe you can point some areas where you want to kind of zoom in a little bit and look at kind of some stuff that we're doing. So as, 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 as a church that's, you know, six years old, we're multiple locations. We have three different locations. We, we believe in high ministry and low overhead. So we have 22 people on our staff right now. Um, just so you know, our, our payroll is only about 35% of our budget. So we're really uh, pushing uh, into duplication of ministry and to uh, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So our, our full-time staff work as, it's kind of this illustration, our, our pastor uses this often of, as a football field. Um, for the first couple years of our ministry, we were the quarterbacks as staff. Where we we call the play in the huddle and we'd get down and we'd hike the ball and we'd throw and then we'd go catch it too. Right, that staff, that was, that was our structure. And we're, we're, we've moved from that to now our staff are the offensive coordinators. And our, our leaders are on the field. And they're the quarterbacks or the running backs. And we've equipped them to do effective ministry for the kingdom. That's kind of where we are recently. It has always been like that. Um, but recently, um, that's been a really good thing we've started to do. We have about 600 plus volunteers. I think it's actually 800 volunteers now, uh, servant leaders at our church. But our desire is not to be a big church. Our desire is to be a healthy church. And because of that, we understand, and I hope that you do too, that your greatest commodity is people. And the effective ministry of people and with people and to people is so incredibly important. But everyone is at a different place in their spiritual journey and in their, in their development as a leader. 
Here's what we do, I think, sometimes as youth pastors. We assume that they know everything that's going on in our student ministry. Because we posted on our Facebook wall, they know the lip sync battle's coming, right? We assume that they know what's going on. We assume that, that they're going to listen to our message as we're preaching it on Wednesday night, and they're going to just glean, and they're going to amen and take notes. And then when they go into their small group, they're already going to have a really good list of questions to ask that 14-year-old boy. When the reality is, they probably weren't. They probably were looking at those two kids who are brand new to your student ministry, and were all over each other for the first 15 minutes of the message, talking and texting each other, and trying to lead them through and separating them, and trying to be a good leader, and they missed points one, two, and three. And so then they get into the small group, and they're like, so what did you guys learn tonight? And it's, it's effectively preparing them on how to take their next step. So we as, as leaders, we have to realize that they're in a different place in their spiritual journey, they're in a different places of the development of leader, and we have to help them take their step. So our goal is to help people take their next step. And here's kind of some of the ways that we, we do that. So here's a quick glance at our five-step leadership development pipeline. Okay, there's five steps. It's going to be some practical stuff. Five steps. And again, if you don't catch all these, I can give them to you at the end. I have no problem doing that. Level one is called a servant leader. Servant leader. God's call us all to be servant leaders to serve those that are on it. So you come into our church or you come into our student ministry, um, you're a level one servant leader. For us, that means that you have taken what's called steps classes. That's our membership class. It's a three-class thing that we do. Um, and it is, each class is an hour, hour and a half, and two hours, something like that long. Um, and they do, it's over uh, three weeks that they do that. At the end, they get a really cool red t-shirt, because our color's red. Um, and, and they wear that whenever they serve. It kind of makes them identifiable. Um, and uh, they become members. They get a certificate, the whole nine yards. And they're part of our leadership uh, structure. At the end of that, they actually go through an interview process with some of our team. And they're actually placed in an area of ministry. Um, so my, when I was a youth pastor, I literally, if you had a heartbeat and you could fit into skinny jeans or you couldn't fit into skinny jeans or you had a heartbeat, I was looking for you to potentially be a student ministry leader. Um, and so, you know, that was a big difference. That's, that's level one. Level two is a coach. Is a coach. Level three is a coordinator. So servant leaders, uh, let's say the big servant leader pool of people. The next level is coaches. So coaches lead servant leaders. So the third level would be coordinators. So coordinators lead coaches. Level four is catalyst. So catalyst lead coordinators. And level five is champion. So in our structure, the champion, and in a lot of places, the catalyst is a full-time or part-time paid staff person. Okay, so for us, in the youth ministry structure at level five, which would be a champion, I'm going to draw this and you can hopefully read my, my handwriting. This would be our youth pastor. Our level five will be our youth pastor. His name's Kyle. He's in the back. He's our student for next gen. He's the champion of our student ministry. Whether you're a single venue or a multi-site, he's still the champion of our student ministry. As that kind of goes down into Catalyst, I'm going to break this up multi-site so it kind of makes a little bit of sense. This, you have to kind of see how this plays out in your area. But we have three, three campuses. So a Catalyst would, would fall into line there. And then as you can see, it kind of breaks down. Does that make sense? It's kind of like Amway. <laughs> sort of. Except for our champions don't, you know, they don't make residual income. They actually get 1% of the tithe for every service. I'm totally kidding. That doesn't happen. <laughs> doesn't happen. So that is kind of how this kind of lays out in, in our leadership pipeline. It has a dual purpose. The first one is this, to make a big church seem smaller. 
and to help people take their next step in leadership. This is a clear-cut way. So if you're a level one, you know that, that your next level would be to be a coach. So let's say that one of you amazing youth pastors leads your church, I'm not suggesting that you do this, <laughs> and you come to Journey, you still go through the same exact process. Okay, as, as everyone else does. Whether you're an all-star or just a, a brand new, you have a heartbeat and you just, you have a 12-year-old. You're like, I just want to be a ball student. You still start out, you know, as, as a servant leader. So it, it's, it's a step-by-step process uh, in this. So campus pastors play a role in this as well. So Kyle, for example, our, our student pastor, he's also what's called a catalyst. So this is our Fairview Park campus. So he fills this role as a level five, as the visionary of that area, and he reports to our leadership team when it comes to the vision and that type of stuff. He then disseminates this down. He's also our Fairview Park campus catalyst. Does that make sense? So this would be like a campus youth pastor. So because Kyle fills both of these roles, he has two direct reports, which makes it a little bit interesting. And I'm, I'm going to help churches like you where you're still trying to build it. And it'll make a little bit more sense here in a minute. But for this, he reports to a campus pastor and he reports to a leadership team as well. So that's where if you're a multi-site or you're developing multi-site, that's where a campus pastor kind of fits in to the mix. Um, campus directors play a role in that, point people. There's all different kind of roles that fit in this leadership structure and how we build it. The key is plugging people into their sweet spot based on their spiritual and natural giftings. Getting to know the person. And this is where my heartbeat for ministry really is so important. And this is why I think, I, I believe that and when I was uh, the youth pastor at Journey, why a lot of the reason why our, our, our leadership grew is because I believe in family. We're family. We're doing life together. You're going to see the stupid things that I do. You're going to see the mistakes that I make. You're going to see the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. You're family to me. Um, and, and I'm family to you. So when there's something going on in your life, I, I know about it. But when you're in this role and you have all this stuff developing down here, you have to develop a leadership pipeline because the newest of new servant leaders might not have direct connection to this champion. And that's why you have to develop those different levels of the pipeline. So this person's need isn't forgotten or ignored, even unintentionally. Because nobody sits in this role or any of these roles and goes, that's a servant leader. We don't. They're in the hospital. We don't intentionally do that. It's just developing the right structure to help make that happen. So how do we assimilate and then build leaders? Here's 10 simple but not easy questions to help you to create a leadership culture. Now, I can give you the practice. We can draw out the pipeline. I can get our lead pastor up here or our youth pastor. We can literally draw out for you exactly what our structure looks like. But the reality is that that has to, that has to translate to where you're at in your situation. So we're willing to help you to do that. But that's our story. But here's some, some questions to ask to help you um, create a leadership culture. And I think this is really a, one of the most important parts of today because it'll help you kind of evaluate where you are. Here's the first one. Is your leadership development, is your leadership development directly tied to the success of your vision? 
So I know that there's no way that Journey Church will ever be a church of 10 location that has mobilized 5,000 Christ followers without intentional and rigorous attention to leadership development. I know that our youth ministry is never going to grow in numbers and influence high schools and middle schools all over our area and do tribal wars and battles and influence and bring new kids in and all those things if we haven't developed the correct leadership development structure. Number two, have you given your leaders a dream worth sacrificing and trading in their lives for? So as you're building this, even if from the very beginning, and for this uh, woman right here that's trying to develop this structure, you've got to cast a vision that is so compelling that people want to be a part of it. Like, do you get that students are literally hungry? I, I think the stat, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, 18 and younger, 80% get saved before they're 18 and younger. Okay, that simple fact alone should motivate you so hard to go after student ministry that it consumes your life. So think that. How many of you guys say before you're 18? Proof. Right? That's why you need to... Just that compelling vision alone, wrapped in leadership processes and leadership structures in the pipeline, can help you to build forward. So cast a compelling vision that is manageable but um, it, it is reachable, but it has big vision and it causes a dream. Number three, when you cast vision, does it include leaders in the details? How many of you are the youth pastor? No, I'll say that. How many of you know a youth pastor that they do everything? Right? They come in, they unlock the door, they set up the chairs, they they're doing PowerPoint, they they're running PowerPoint while they're the worship leaders leading worship, and they're playing the keys at the same time. Right? They pick the songs, they do the transitions, they they pray for kids, they're leading small groups, they do everything. And for a season in your youth ministry, you probably do those things. And that's great. I did those things. I got there early, set up chairs, and I was the last one to leave. But as you grow this structure, if you're intentional about doing this, it gets to the point where you go, hey, dude, you're really, really strong. I'm not so strong. <laughs> but what I could really use your help is, is help me set up some of these chairs every week. Would you do that for me? And here's why. Um, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm also going to give you these three guys, and there's not, that's, not, that's not your small group. And you're developing in a way where you're being intentional and going, I'm going to help this person be successful. But he's got to understand that by him doing that, what that enables me to do. Not that I'm more important, because I'm really not. Because the reality is, it's not the message that saves people all the time, right? It's the handshake, the hug, the greeting, the small group. It's usually the small group leader that's in their life, that knows everything about them, that at the end of the message, when they're at the altar crying, it's not usually the youth pastor that's like, come here, let's just cry together. It's the small group leader who's falling up and loving on him. It's the development of that that helps to effectively uh, lead people. So include your leaders in the process of development. Number four, do you tell stories of leadership development? Some of my favorite stories are the stories of some people who are, are now part of our leadership that their lives were changed because they were part of the leadership development and, and we share those stories. There's one girl on our staff right now who actually um, was at a parade that we were a part of. We built this float and it was a candy pole. And what we did is we threw candy people through a candy pole. It's effective ministry. They literally like candy pole. Like it would hurt. <laughs> kids. It's kids. And we threw candy at them. They loved the candy. And uh, our lead pastor actually handed them a flyer 
long story short, all these different things happened. They ended up meeting with a member of our team and then met with our, our lead pastor's wife, and she got saved in a counseling appointment all because of a parade. Connect those dots really quick. And now she's on our staff as our executive assistant to our executive pastor. All, all because of a flyer. I'm telling that story every parade, right? And when something like that happens in your youth ministry, I'm telling that story at every servant leader meeting, at every time I sit down with a new volunteer and saying, I need to introduce you to this person because of they joined our team and they did this and this happened and this kid got saved and then he invited 20 of his friends and blah, and you just get jacked out of your mind because you can see the real stories. That's what will motivate people when they see real life things happening. And if you build this structure and develop in leaders, those stories will naturally come. Because here's what will happen. I put, I put him in as a, a level three guy, and we've worked with him, we've coached him, and now he's a coordinator. He's coordinating all the pre-service stuff and sitting in a meeting, and, and I, I tell a kid about him that he's running all of our tech, and who, you guys know teenagers are the best at tech, right? They really are. They make us look like idiots <laughs> on the computers. But they found he's in tech, and I find that 13-year-old that's literally already programmed his own site and is taking over the world with his mobile device. <laughs> I introduce him. He's not safe, but I introduce him, and they get to talking, and then probably playing Warcraft or something together after or something, I don't know, Minecraft or something. And conversation happens, and that kid gets saved. You better believe I'm telling that story. Because it's helping to influence people. I'm going to fly through these last ones to leave time for questions. Are people aware of your leadership pipeline? Like, people know how to take the steps for us. Is that steps, classes, and groups, and online? Do they know the steps to take? Number six, is risk-taking a value? Do you take chances? Now, the good part about being in youth ministry is that's kind of our MO. What if we hung a kid from the rafters? Like, what would happen? What if we cover that whole kid in peanut butter? Oh, we can't do peanut. Oh, we can do peanut butter, but what if the kid's allergic? Eh, there's a hospital down the street. Are you taking risks that people are like, I want to be a part of that youth ministry? You know, we did this one thing at our last summer camp. We rented how many hay bales? 250? 250 hay bales. And we built uh, King of the Hill. When we got to the camp to do it, we built, all, we built this whole thing. And we can teach you how to do it, show you how to do it. It's super cheap, super fun. Uh, when we got there, uh, the entire court we were going to build it on was solid ice. Which doesn't really bode well for running up a hill. So what we did is we got like 20 of our students out there and stomped all the ice. So now ice has turned to mud, which makes it so much more fun. And then we did this thing where they had the four, four or ten kids, it ended up being like 20 kids at a time sometimes, had to run up this hill of hay bales and grab a ball and come back down the first person to the ground one. Okay. Talk about taking risks, right? <laughs> Especially because our lead pastor's son was on the trip. And I was like, this is going to happen. He's going to fall backwards off of this and I'm going to get fired on Monday. <laughs> Right, so one of the one of the things that happened is one of these one of the girls that's in our student ministry. I swear to God, she's stronger than every guy I've ever met in my life. She starts running up, and they don't even pay attention. They have no fear, and she falls literally falls backwards like this. And thank God I was there, and I was the youth pastor that just like caught her and fell. Take your risk, right? That night, that girl was at the altar. Hands raised. I'll play stupid games all day long if that's what it takes, right? Take risks to help people. Number seven, do you measure success in terms of leadership development? Or do you measure success because eight kids came that night? Or 30 kids came that night? Or 100 kids came that night? Do you measure success in terms of leadership development? 
Number eight, do you reward faithful leaders? Do you reward that person that comes every single week and cleans the bathroom? Both publicly and privately. Do you reward them for that? And they don't, we have a, a phrase, we don't give to get at Journey, we give to give. But it's, it, we put that in our culture, and here's what it makes them do, it makes them want to give more. Number eight, are small groups used to develop leaders? Or are you doing it in, in just big group settings? And number 10, do you have high expectations but easy interest, easy entrance into leadership? Do you have high expectations but easy entrance? In other words, are your standards high, but is it so easy to get in? You're, it should be so easy to get in that anybody can do it. Once you get them in there, you love the snot of them, you train the snot of them, and you set your expectations so high that they can develop through the process. Does that make sense? Like I said earlier, our student ministry has grown through three phases from inception in one years one to three. So our youth pastor, Paul Gerdau, he grew up in years one to three and did some crazy stuff to get us started. I took over in years four and five, and I spent two years just building processes. Like, what happens when the kid gets saved? Or how do we do leadership development? And how do we do those things? And we really worked on those with our high performance team. And now, because we've set that salvation, set that, that foundation right, we are now launching into our student development and discipleship phase, which is called Young Guns. It's a 10-week process, um, and we can give that, that to you, but essentially it's a 10-week process of now what we do is we not only develop our leaders from an 18 and up perspective, now we develop our students. And so this year, this is the first question, how many will you have? 16. 16 kids. They're going through, and they're going to go through this 10-week process at the end. They'll be placed in some area of ministry, not just in our student ministry, but in our church. You know how exciting it's going to be the day that we walk in on a Sunday morning and the 16-year-olds lead worship? It'll change your whole world. It'll change your whole world. Or you walk in as a youth pastor and there's 12 kids opening doors for greeters at 9 a.m. And you bring coffee. Because kids love Starbucks and they're eight. But you get to do those things because you built your, your, your foundation and your structure right as leaders. And now you can duplicate that in the student ministry. And here's the craziest, amazing part of it. I can be willing to bet that in, in 10 years we'll look back to those first 16 and most of them, if not all of them, will still be in the church. You want to know why 18-year-olds leave when they go to college and don't come back until they have kids? Because we didn't do a good job developing leadership pipelines when they were teenagers. We put things in play. Why are you in ministry today? Probably because a youth pastor wrapped their arms around you and said, here, let me help you become a leader. And most of the time we didn't know what they were doing. We thought we were getting pizza. <laughs> but pizza is the greatest trick tool ever. Because in that conversation, as they're shoving pizza down their throat as if they haven't eaten in two weeks, you're going, hey, dude, how's your, how's your family? You good? How's school? You good? And the leadership pipeline begins to evolve. Now, there is a ton more involved in this. It's just a surface level of it. But I hope that's helped giving you a little bit of a gauge to help develop and go back and challenge your teams. I don't know what kind of time we have left, but I'm open for, for questions if you have any. We're close, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, so if you have some questions, or I'm willing to totally stick around after, set up a phone call or whatever to help you. Again, don't have all the answers, but we're, we're here to kind of help. Is there any questions that you might have that I can... Did I answer your question? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my ministry is more like your first ministry, where it's like just a few kids. Church is probably about the size of the attendance in the room. Okay. Um, the churches or you? The church. Oh, okay. <laughs> and maybe a little bigger. But my question is, knowing what you know now, how do you expand starting with five, six, eight kids? How do, how do you how do you put that passion in 
to get to the point where they're not just effective in that small group, but also in within their own communities and bringing people in. How do, how do you how do you see what strategy would you use to to really impress upon them the importance of ministry? Because uh, you know teenagers they they're more likely to you know listen to a friend on Facebook than they are to listen to a sermon. So. Sure. Um, well, two things that I think of. One is com- is creating an experience for them that for your students um, that would be amazing from a student perspective that they'll just love and enjoy and come back to. And that takes time and it takes development. But the, the number one thing I would say in terms of a leadership would be relationships. You, you got to spend the time. My pastor says it this way all the time. Are you doing grassroots stuff? Even when even when you're fifteen hundred people, if you're not doing if you're not having grassroots conversations, you have failed. You, you know. Our pastor, I think it was up to year two that you called first-time guest. All the way through year two, he called first-time guest every single Sunday and Monday. So he did. So as a youth pastor, are you calling first-time guests? Or to put it a different way, are you doing grassroots with the relationships of the people that God's sending to serve in your student ministry? So are you in their world? Are you calling them? Are you praying for them? Are you taking them out for coffee or donuts or pizza or tacos or something? Are you investing in their life? Are you providing resources and tools for them? Are you their biggest fan ever? Do you make them feel like they're a part of the team? And if you can create that environment with even just one, it expands. So the crazy part is that verse I read in Matthew, Jesus finds two, and they just drop their nets and fall. Now the crazy part is, they don't even know that he's the Savior yet. He's just Jesus. And they're like, shoot, I'll follow you. So if something compelling has to happen in that communication... And then they walk on the beach, and now there's three of them. Now they get two more, and it's just, so it, it's, it's finding one or two that I really feel like you can just, like, these guys are going to run with me. You know? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Other thoughts? Questions? Hungry? <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? Was that a lot? It was a lot? It's good. It's great. Okay, hopefully that helps you. I want to tell you this last thing before we wrap up. Um, about a year ago now, Kyle, a year ago, when did we transition? Six months ago? Wow. Six months ago, um, we tra- I transitioned out of being our student pastor, and we hired uh, Pastor Kyle Reynolds. He's actually in the back. He's available to ask any questions as well after um, we hired him. And I want to tell you this. Um, how many of you have ever been through a bad transition of youth pastors? Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, our whole youth ministry is going to It's gone. Gone. Um, we worked with Kyle. We put a strategy together. We prayed. We actually prayed Kyle in, and then myself and our pastor and our team was a part of hiring Kyle. And uh, in that process, we we I had about thirty to thirty-five leaders that served on a weekly basis. In that process, twenty-eight of those thirty, all but two of them, still serve in our student ministry. Uh, that was because we tested it because of a leadership pipeline. They knew their next step, and they have, we were, we've effectively empowered them to do ministry. They're a part of it. Does that make sense? If you do this right, even if you leave and you go plant a church or take over Hillsong, New York, or Andy Stanley College, if you build an effective leadership pipeline, you can actually cease to exist, and lives are still changing. You know, our, our lead pastor, I don't, he doesn't come to our youth ministry that often. Maybe once, maybe twice a year. Drops off his kid. But our youth ministry still runs effectively in highly producing leaders and highly effective ministry. The other type one is in place. He comes in and specs, absolutely. And sometimes he'll tear it down and build it back up, absolutely. But we have a pipeline that works because we duplicated what our church is doing in effectively. 
Yeah. Are we going to change some things? Absolutely. Are we going to take more risks? I hope so, or I'm going to get bored. But at the end of the day, we're helping people, empowering them to have highly effective ministry through our leadership pipeline. We'd love to be a part of helping you to evolve that story and to be a part of your ministry if we can in any way serve you. We're here to do that. All right? Can I pray for you before we leave? Father God, we love you. We thank you for every youth pastor and every leader and every lead pastor in this room, whatever role they may be a part of, God. We just believe that in this next season that there will be an expansion and a development of a leadership pipeline, however it fits in their culture, however it fits in their church, however it fits in their strategy, to help effectively build leaders, not just 18 and older, but God, I'm believing that in the next six months to the next year, that even their student culture will begin to develop and that in the months and years to come, we will see the fruits of highly effective leadership pipelines in place. And that someday we'll look back and we'll thank you, Jesus, that not only did you set this up in your word to help lead us and guide us, but that you will be a part of it every single step of the way. God, send the right people into our youth ministries, into our teams. Send the right youth pastors where those needs are, are needed. But God, most importantly, just show up. We, we value your presence on every night of the week that we meet. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Thanks so much for coming to the open. I'm going to stick around if you need anything at all.